Hello, my name is Jared Turner, and I'm the youth pastor for Axiom Youth. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And for all of you that are in central Arkansas, I wanted to let you know about a special event that's coming up this Friday, March 22nd at Cornerstone Apostolic Church, 9500 Dollarway Road, Whitehall, Arkansas. Indiana Bible College Chosen is going to be with us leading worship for our Rise Up Youth Rally, and Brother Jason Gallion will be preaching. It's at 7.30, March 22nd. That's a Friday night. We hope to see you there. Welcome back to the Axiom Youth Podcast. This lesson is being taught by our youth pastor, Brother Jared Turner. It's entitled, Seeing Yourself in the Mirror. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. message, the message of the cross, the Bible says that some people will think that the cross is foolishness, that it's ridiculous to celebrate an instrument of torture and death, but to those of us who have experienced the power of the cross, it's the glory of God, it's the power of God, those that have been forgiven and are aware that they have been forgiven. It is the power of God. So yeah, sometimes you think about it, it can seem a little silly. If you're surrounded by the things of the world, you're surrounded by just this life and the things that are in it, it can seem a little silly to have so much devotion to a book or so much devotion to a man that lived so long ago. But when you're in His presence, when the power of the Holy Ghost is moving on you, becomes clear in your mind what the power of the cross is and that's where you've got to get to that moment when God becomes real in your life I've said it over and over again you've got to get to that moment and you've got to stay there and you've got to go back there and you've got to continually live with the power of the cross alive in your life Because as we will see tonight, it is easy to forget. Forget. That's what this world wants you to do. That's what the enemy wants you to do is forget what God has done in your life. That's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Forgetting what God has done in your life. We're going to look at the book of James chapter number 1. And verse 22, we're going to start there. It says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Verse 23, For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, a mirror. Fancy word for mirror. 
piece of glass. It's like a man that looks at his reflection in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, verse 24, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. What manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So let's, that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. You can be seated. I loved this illustration when I read it. I like illustrations that come directly from the Bible because the biblical writers thought enough of this illustration to record it in Scripture, and God saw fit to give us this illustration throughout the ages of a mirror, of looking at yourself in the mirror. How many like to look at themselves in the mirror? Me all the time. You like to look at yourself in the mirror. How many don't like to look at yourself in the mirror? How many, how many, how many use a mirror every day? Every day. Any, does anybody not use, go a day without using the mirror? Dalton does? Sort of? Sometimes? Yeah, the guys. The girls are like, uh-uh, no, every day. Four times a day. I'm checking. The mirror. What, what do mirrors allow us to do? But why? Is it most people, now let's, let's exclude kind of crazy people, but most people... Do they look in the mirror? Let's, let's ask you. I don't think anyone's crazy here. Do you look in the mirror just because you, for entertainment? Sometimes. Dance in the mirror to yourself. All right. Well, never mind. I take that back. There are some crazy people here. You make funny faces. Okay. So uh, other than the kind of broad, silly entertainment, when you're getting ready in the morning, why do you look in the mirror? Make sure you look good. To check for imperfections, right? To check for things that you can fix. It would be a shame to go out if, if there was something that you could easily fix about yourself. That's why we look in a mirror. And so here in this scripture, the word of God or the power of the word of God is referred to as like a mirror. It is something that you can see yourself in. So this is what I want you to understand about the Bible. And this, is, this is what I want you to understand about what Scripture does and what its purpose is in your life. Because it's not just simply a rule book. And it's not just something that we adhere to because we're a, a certain social club. It's not guidelines for entrance into the group. Now, if you've ever joined like a group, there's guidelines and there's bylaws and there's things like that. You know, boy, we've got some Boy Scouts here. And there, I'm sure there are rules and there are regulations for what Boy Scouts are and what you do. 
And the Bible is not that. It is not a rule book, but it is a mirror. It is, it is a mirror about what your life can be. It helps you see yourself. Now, so when you approach the Word of God, when the Word of God is brought into your life, the truth of God's Word, it helps you see who you really are. It helps you understand what is actually going on in your life. And if you are somebody that has a passing attention to God's Word, you will quickly forget who you really are. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clarify because I really want you to understand this because I, when I read this today, it struck me in my heart because this is the reason we push reading the Bible. This is why we promote Bible quizzing. This is why it's important to invest your life into God's Word, not because it is just something that lines you out and makes you follow rules, because in fact, half of the New Testament talks about how the law did not work. How just having a rule book in the, of the Old Testament or the commandments did not work. There had to be something else. There had to be a separate kind of power that came in and not just forced people to do something, but actually caused a change in their life because they could, for the very first time, see their reflection in the power of the Word of God. It allows you to see your reflection. It allows you to see your heart, your nature. In the Old Testament, they said it this way, that the heart of man is desperately wicked who can know it. Meaning it's very difficult if you are just living your life to actually criticize yourself and look introspectively and say, what is going on? It's hard to pick out a bad attitude if you are just kind of living isolated. And you're just kind of living in a bubble of your own thoughts and your own ideas. It's hard to really understand yourself and what you need to fix about yourself. That's why, as humans, we need criticism and we need people to tell us and give us instruction. That's why you go to school and you take a test and you're graded. Because you would never learn without your parents. You would never learn how to speak unless somebody corrected you. you and you would never learn how to walk unless somebody helped you and guided you. So this is just something about human nature that we need to know where we fall short so that we can make a correction. You're never going to get anywhere unless somebody, something can correct you. Anybody that is a master of anything had somebody that taught them. There's nobody that became a master of anything. You could take sport for an example. There is nobody that was a top athlete without a coach. It didn't matter how much of a superstar you got. They always had a coach. You could have a professional team and their players are making millions of dollars and they're at the top of their athletic career and they still pay more money to the coach. 
Because they need to know, they need to see themselves, and it's hard to see yourself without a mirror. It's hard to see what's actually going on in your life unless you have somebody that can come from the outside and criticize and say, this is not right. So we are constantly, as young people, bombarded with people trying to correct us and tell us what is the right and wrong way to live. You are constantly presented different mirrors to hold your life up against and to criticize yourself by. None of you live in isolation. You are in school. You are on social media. You partake of entertainment. And there are constantly people and forces and organizations that are holding up mirrors to your life to show you who you are or who you should be. Have you ever been to one of those fun houses where they have the crazy mirrors? When you're like, you look really fat, or you look really tall and really skinny? Is that really how you look? No, but if maybe those were the only mirrors that you had, you might begin to think that that's how you actually looked. So there's value in having a true representation of yourself. When you don't see people that have fun mirrors in their house for the purpose of getting dressed or getting ready. You want an accurate picture because you want to know what reality is. You want to, you don't want, maybe you you could purchase a mirror that would make you look like the most incredible, you know, strong, buff, pretty, whatever you want to, whatever image you would put for yourself, you, you could have a mirror that told you what you wanted to see. If you wanted to lose weight, you could stand in front of a mirror that made you look thin. If you wanted to not be bald, I could purchase a mirror that when I stood in front of it, it would show me as a full head of hair. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't even recognize me. But you, what, if, what if you could buy a mirror like that? where it just told you whatever you wanted to know, and it shaped your identity based on what, maybe it was a mind-reading mirror, and it just shaped your identity by what you looked at. Would that be helpful? Why not? Because it's not the truth. Because you do have a cowlick in the morning, right, that sticks six feet up, And if you just look in a mirror that shows your hair all perfect, you're not going to address the cowlick. You're going to look crazy. So the mirror isn't good unless it is accurate. It's not a good judge of your life unless it is crystal clear. So we as young people... When we are choosing which mirror or which measurement to judge our life by, to see our reflection of who we are and who we need to be, we need to make sure that we are picking something that is true, that is crystal clear, that has a grounding in reality. 
And I think you all know that. That's, and I preach about it a lot, that that is the Bible, that that is the truth of God's Word, that that is what we are talking about when we come to church, that it is the true standard by which you can put measure your life up to, and it will work. It's the truth. So we've got to have a clarity, and that's what we've been trying to do in Sunday school through our spell it out. We've been trying to show you that the Bible can withstand criticism, that it can measure up to the best that science has to offer, and it can be proven true over and over again. So we have been trying to get you to a place where you can understand that the Bible is for you and that it is clear. But that's really not what I came to talk about. I'm not come to convince you because I think most of you have been convinced because I have seen every one of you pray in an altar. I have seen every one of you come into contact with the power of God and that clarity of that moment when I've seen every one of you, for the sake of our illustration, look in the mirror. And no doubt you felt the conviction and you felt the calling of God, and you felt God work on you to give things up, you felt God work on you to answer the call, to say yes to doing His will, to doing His plan, to doing His purpose. You felt that. I, I'm, I believe I'm talking to a group that has felt that before. But what's the problem? The enemy's not too concerned if you've seen yourself in the mirror. He may not even be that concerned that you have the correct mirror in your hand. So his battle's going to be, will you remember what you really look like? James warns us here not to forget. Not to be hearers only. Not to come into contact with the Word of God, the power of the Word of God, and then walk away and go back to our distracted lifestyle so that we forget what we really look like. And as young people, we are master distractors because we have more free time, less responsibility, and so we can kind of put our life in a little cocoon of distraction and entertainment and fun. And those kind of things can get us separated from what we really look like. So you can have an encounter at HYC where God puts the mirror right up to your face. And it's, you know, he may even use the magnifying side. This mirror has regular side and then magnifying side. Whoa. Scary side and really scary side. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, when I walk by the stand-up mirror, I'm looking okay, you know, and then, oh, no, not, and then, whoa, got some problems, you know, I got some issues to address, right, so that, you know, and so God can sometimes get up in your face at an HYC and turn the magnifying mirror on and say, this is what you really look like. This is and puts that magnifying glass up to your heart and say, this is what's really going on. And you feel the conviction and you feel the power and you say, God, I'm going to give up that 
entertainment. I'm going to stop watching that YouTube channel that I know I shouldn't watch. Or God, I'm going to stop playing that video game that I feel that you're leading me to put down. Or I'm going to stop having that attitude. Or I'm going to be more dedicated to you. Or I'm going to be bolder at school to live for you despite what anybody else thinks. I see myself. I see the problem that I have in my life. And God, I repent of it. But what's the warning here? Is that you can put that mirror aside and you cannot put it into action in your everyday life and you will be a hearer like somebody that looks and acknowledges the problem but then buries themselves in distraction once again and forgets who God's called you to be and forget what it was like to feel the power of that mirror being held up to your life and saying, this is what's really going on with you. This is what's really happening in your heart. And then you just move on from it and just bury yourself in distraction until the next HYC or till the next Sunday night. And then God deals with you again, but then you go back and you see the cycle. And if this was written about in the Bible then God knows that it's a problem in every life. That every person that comes into contact with the power of the Word of God, they may recognize the clarity of it. I've seen so many people in my life that have, that have felt the power and the clarity, and they said, I've never felt anything like this. I've never felt this kind of peace. I'm going to live for God, and they have so much zeal and passion. But you know what? They go back. And they get away from who they really are because they don't look in the mirror every day. They're not allowing the Word of God to interact with them on a Monday or a Tuesday. And they get back surrounded with the world. And all of a sudden they forget the clarity that God gave them. And things begin to get muddled again. And they think, oh, I'm okay. And they're just constantly judging themselves by the distorted mirrors that are out there in the world. And those ones that lie to you and tell you what you want to hear. And you're just checking yourself by social media or checking checking yourself by your friends at school and you're saying, oh, I'm okay. I'm still all right. This is just what everybody else is doing. It's just a normal part of life. This is what all teenagers do. I'm good. I've got this. And you're not allowing the power of God's word to interact with your life so that you can see the glaring mistakes and problems that could so easily be fixed if you just knew what the problem was. That's why sin is called a deceiver. It's deceptive. It does not tell you an accurate picture of where you're at. It lies to you and says it's okay to be the way that you are. You are justified in your bitterness. You are justified in your hatred. You are justified in that feeling that you have. It's natural. It's comparing to an unclear mirror. So, what's the point? What's the solution? This is what I've come to really hit home with you. This is why we talk about spiritual disciplines. This is why we talk about prayer and reading the Bible. It's not because it is some sort of chore that you get credit for. It's not an assignment that you are graded on. It is actually the best way to improve your life in the image of your creator that is the most crystal clear picture of who you should be. It is the best refining tool that you have. And everybody that strives for excellence in any 
field, in any endeavor, will tell you that feedback is the most important thing that you can have if you're going to get better. Honest feedback. Somebody to tell you you're doing it incorrectly and you're never going to grow unless you change this. So if you are serious about living for God, do not think that you are going to get there by coming to church alone. By being a hearer alone. Faithfulness to church alone will not cut it. You will not be a Christian for very long. You may hang around church for a while, but you will not be a Christian very long unless you become a doer of the word. What is a doer of the word? Somebody that interacts with that mirror on a daily basis. Somebody that allows the word of God to resonate in their heart and to look and see themselves in its pages and to see themselves in the words that they read and the words that they memorize for Bible quizzing. You've got to learn to see yourself and say, God, let these words apply to me. Let these words apply to me. Let this teach me something about what I can get out of my spirit and what I can get out of my heart. And every time you hear a sermon, you need to be saying, God, let this apply to me. Let me get something out of this so that I can become better because I want to live for you with more clarity. If that is your desire tonight then you've got to become a doer of the word and not get sucked in to just being a hearer. I am thankful for your faithfulness. I'm thankful to everybody that comes and is faithful to the house of God. But that is not enough to make it. You have got to get to that place where you can interact with the power of God's word in your life. Let me give you just a practical example from my life and things, how that I have taken the the word of God in a story that may, and I could do this with many stories, but this is just one I thought about today. And you can let it reflect on your life. There's a story in the Old Testament. There's a law in the Old Testament. They had indentured servanthood, kind of like um, if you got in debt with somebody and you couldn't pay them back, you would work for them for free. And they, would, they were required to provide you a house, to provide your meals, make, that, make sure that you were medically taken care of, just provide everything that you needed, and you would work for a certain period of time until your debt was paid, or a maximum of seven years, even if your debt wasn't paid. And at the end of seven years, you had the choice to go free or not. And so here's what the law said. That if at the end of those seven years that you were tired of serving the master, that you could leave. But that you would leave behind everything that the master had given you. You would leave behind all your possessions. If you had gotten married after you had become a servant to him, you would leave behind your wife, your spouse, and you would leave behind your children. You would walk away from everything that your master had given you. You would walk away. But if you decided at the end of those seven years that you liked your life, 
that you were thankful for the house that you had been provided, for the food, you enjoyed your work, your master was good to you, you loved your wife, you loved your children, then you would say, I am going to serve my master forever. And you would get your ear pierced kind of at the courthouse as a sign in front of the elders that you were dedicating your life to the master because he was good to you and because he had given you good things. Now that is kind of a bizarre story. But as you begin, as I begin to let that story speak to me and hold up a mirror to my life and say, God, I want to see myself in this picture. I want to see myself here. And that's what that story does for me. And how it reflects back on my life is it shows me that the obedience to the master, which in this case is God, the obedience to God, upon that everything else hinges in my life. Because God has given me so much. And if I walk away from God, then I'm going to lose everything that God has given me. So I'm going to lose everything that God has blessed me with. You can begin to see yourself reflected in Scripture. And I'm not talking about this is for everybody, but I just how the Bible begins to interact with my heart. And the Holy Ghost begins to deal with me and say, Jared, if you do not make sure that your dedication to God is centered, you will lose everything that God has given you. So your life hinges upon this decision. Are you going to be faithful to God? Because if you lose your faithfulness to God, you will lose everything that God has given you. You can walk away, but you will leave behind every blessing that God has ever given you in your life. It would be impossible for me to keep my family together, this family that God has given me that we are starting If I was not faithful to God, I can see myself reflected back in the pages of Scripture and say, I better make sure that my prayer life is where it needs to be and that my devotion to God is where it needs to be because if not, I will lose everything that God has given me. It begins to reflect back on my life and it lets me put a mirror up to my life and criticize myself and say, I better be careful because my family is on the line. It's how the Word of God begins to deal with me. It's not just something I heard at church, but it's something that deals with me every day. And I've got to get out my Bible, and I've got to say, Lord, let this reflect back in my life. Let me see a clear picture of who I am. We read Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 9 today, if you're caught up in your Word Before World. And in that chapter, the children of Israel demand a king. And God tells Samuel, I want you to tell them exactly what they'll get if they'll get a king. They will get somebody that will take their land, that will take their children and make them slaves, that will take their crops and feed his servants, that will make their young sons march into battle and die for him. And they said, we want a king anyway. So I've got to take that story and I've got to say, God, let this reflect into my life. Because I'm not just reading this for some exercise. I need to know what is in my heart that this story can teach me. What is in my heart that this story can teach me? What does it show me about myself? What does it show me about human nature? Is that we can be very, very stubborn. And that even when we know that we are doing something that will destroy us, that we can push through if our flesh gets out of control. 
that we have a tendency to push back against God and against the things that we know are good for us and are healthy for us. So even when you know something is wrong, there is a contingency in your heart that you will push forward anyway because you say, I want this. I want this. And you've got to say, God, protect me from that kind of power in my heart because I am pretty powerful in here and I can go against you even when I know better. And God, I don't ever want to get to that place where I am so haughty and I am so arrogant that I think I literally know better than you and I can be confronted with fact after fact and I will keep walking toward my own destruction even though I know better. You can see yourself reflected back in that and say, I am capable of messing this thing up so bad. So I've got to rely on you. You see how the word of God can begin to reflect yourself. And you can say, look, there could be some big blind spots in my life. And if that doesn't make you want to pray, there will be nothing that makes you want to pray. If that doesn't make you want to get down and say, God, help me. God, show me who I really am. Show me the blind spots in my life that I am cannot confront through my own intellect. But you've got to just help me. And you've got to show it to me. And you've got to help me to repent and get that out of my life so that I can live for you, so that I can be the man that you've called me to be, so that I can be the husband that you've called me to be, so that I can be the Christian that you've called me to be. I cannot get there on my own. So you've got to let it reflect back in your life. But until you do that, until you become a doer of the Word, you're never going to make it as a Christian. That's how you begin to walk with Him. Every day, and that's why we stress it, and that's why we're not just saying something that is empty, or that is an empty exercise, or that is just some sort of mindfulness or meditation to kind of keep your nerves calm. It's literally the power of God every day in your life, and if you neglect to do that, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You've got to say, Lord, I want you to reflect back in my life. Everything that's not right, that's misinformed, that's distorted, that's untrue, because I want to live for you. And you see how there's infinite mercy there. When you come, no matter how pitiful your life is, if you come with that kind of attitude, God, I just want you to fix me. I want you to help me. God is infinite in his mercy. But you could be so close to perfect. You could be so close to a true Christian and have something that is unreflected in your life. Something that is so, you're so close, but there's a blind spot that you never let God deal with, that you never let God work on. I mean, there are going to be people in the last day that say, Lord, we cast out devils in your name and we preached in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you close. But not enough. And there are going to be people that we would think would never be saved. But because they came and said, God, I just want to see who I really am. God has infinite mercy. For people with that kind of attitude. With that kind of heart. There's so much power. In repentance. Holding up that mirror to yourself. And to your life. And saying God. Show me. 
who I really am. If they could help me on the music, we're going to close. I've said it a lot, but when God begins to deal with you on your own time, not in church time, not at HYC time, not on Sunday nights before service in the prayer room, but when God begins to deal with you on your own time, when you make space for God, you've become a doer of the word. There are plenty of people that are hearers of the word, and that's good. Because the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Nothing against coming to church, nothing against listening. I'm thankful for everyone that pays attention and everyone that listens. But the warning is, don't just be a hearer, but be a doer. Because if you do not do it, if you do not live it out day to day, you're going to forget those moments of clarity at an NAYC or at a camp or at a Sunday night service when God just hammers you. And it's not some sort of crushing way. It's just like, wow, I got to fix that. Or wow, this is what my life could be if I surrendered it to God. But you step away from that mirror and you will forget. You step away from the word. You step away from prayer. You will forget. You will forget the clarity of that moment. It will fade in your life as other mirrors and other reflections of yourself begin to distort your identity and who you are, who God's called you to be. And you'll think, I'm okay. I'm okay. I still go. I still listen. I still sit on the pew. Don't just be a hearer. But you've got to be a doer. Every day. That's why we do Word Before World. Try to throw a little incentive in there to encourage you, but that doesn't matter that much. But where it's so successful is if you can open up that book and you can read one verse that for just a split second shows you who you really are and it's like whoa I gotta fix that that could be me if I'm not careful God help me not to be that or help me be like that whatever kind of story you're reading, see yourself reflected in those pages and let the Holy Ghost begin to talk to you. And I'm telling you, when the Holy Ghost meets you in one of those moments, when that mirror is put up to your face and God begins to touch you, you know, you could receive, if you've never received the Holy Ghost, you could receive it at home all by yourself. That's the kind of God that we serve. And when that happens, when those moments happen, when the Holy Ghost touches you and you're all alone and there's no hype, there's no music and there's nobody shaking you or praying for you and just you and God, you've become a doer of the word. You've become a doer of the word. And that's where the power is. 
that's where it seals you against all the other things that would distract, that would distort. And you can go back and say, you know, I know that was true. I know that's who I was. And I'm reminded constantly of that through interacting with God on a day-to-day basis. You don't need to go years or a year from camp to camp or whatever it is without responding to the Lord and letting Him touch you and becoming a doer of the Word. I want you to stand tonight. We're going to conclude in prayer. I want you to close your eyes right where you are. And I just want you to think about where you really are at right now. I'm not talking about how many followers you have on Instagram. I'm not talking about how school's going. I'm not talking about how popular you are right now. I'm asking you, in reference to the clarity of God's Word, how are you doing right now? I want you to try to think back to the last time God really dealt with you the word was really clear in your life and we're going to try to recover that voice tonight in our heart and make a commitment going forward that we're going to interact with God on a regular basis right where you are I want you to lift your hands and let's just begin to pray tonight and ask the Lord to reveal to us God, show us who we really are tonight. God, let your word come forth, God, in our hearts and in our lives. God, let us see, Lord, who we really are. God, let us see who we really are. God, do not let us be lost. Do not let us get so distracted by the other comparisons that we could make in our life about our friends or about what we watch or what we follow. God, don't let that distort us. God, into becoming something that you do not want us to be. But Lord, I pray that the power of the Holy Ghost would begin to work and begin to shape the lives of these young people right now. Thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that they listen with attention. But God, we need more than that. God, we need more than just a sermon on Sunday and a sermon on Wednesday, God. But we need to know you in between. We need to know you in the power of your resurrection in our own life, God, in our own time, in our own rooms, God, in our own places of prayer, in our own pages of our own Bible, God. We need to let your word speak to us. Lord, I pray that there would be a fresh consecration, God, the spiritual disciplines among this group, Lord, that we would be leaders, God, in in our schools, Lord, of people that are not distracted and not distorted, God, but we have a clarity in our vision of who we are so that we can let you wash us and fix what's going on in our lives so that we can build on a firm foundation. God, I pray that you would touch these young people right now. I pray, Lord, that you would just begin to work in their life. Come on, don't hold back right now. Somebody needs to repent of something. There's going to be something that comes up in your heart and God's going to ask you, are you going to give that to me? Are you going to remember this clarity that I've given you? Are you going to remember what I've spoken in your life? Or are you going to let the cares of this life rob you? 
of that voice. Come on, if God's called you to do something, I want you to, rec- I want you to reclaim that calling tonight. I want you to reclaim that calling. If God's, if God's put a call on your life and maybe it's been pulled away and it's been distracted and out of your life and you've forgotten who you really are, I pray that you would reclaim that tonight. Come on, let's just take a little time right now. It's just us tonight. Let's just take a little time and let the Lord speak to us. episode of Axiom Youth Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thank you for tuning in.